said I could do it and then worked really hard over the weekend to learn it. It became a prominent part of my job and two years later, I leveled up. If you are a creative in the entertainment industry looking for inspiration and practical ideas about how to take the next steps in your career, you are in the right place. My name is Rebecca Doyle and I work in film and television in Los Angeles. I learned so much from the ups and downs of the talented, innovative people surrounding me and I want to share those insights with you. Join in every other week to hear the break-in stories of people who overcame challenges and found unconventional avenues to pursue their dream careers in an industry that has no set path. Welcome to another episode of No Set Path. Today, I'm going to be reading your anonymously submitted fake it till you make it stories. And we have some really, really great stuff coming up. I know the phrase fake it till you make it can be a little bit contentious, so I want to be really clear here. I am talking about instances where someone knew that he or she had the potential to do a job well and may have taken some liberties with the facts of their previous experience in order to land the job and then actually did succeed in performing that job well. I also feel like I have to make a quick disclaimer that I don't encourage doing this if the job you're going to perform, if done incorrectly, would compromise anyone's safety or have very significant repercussions. I think there's a difference between fabricating experience as a stunt coordinator and really jeopardizing people's safety and saying that perhaps you've answered the phone once or twice for an executive and then going in and just crushing that job and everyone benefits because that person did a great job. So let's jump into our stories. These were submitted on Instagram through my friends personally, some stories that people didn't want to share on the microphone and also through responses on Reddit. Okay, story number one, lighting Oprah. This is a story for our DPs out there. I got a call to shoot an interview and was given no other information. I arrived with my camera and realized that the production didn't have any lights or other gear to film this interview. When I was introduced to the interviewee, it was Oprah. I pretended like it was all part of the plan and ran around the building looking for any lights that could be used to light her. I eventually found a decor lamp and made it work. Oprah even asked at one point if the room was a little dark. I filmed the interview and with some creativity and post-processing, it turned out great and to this day is still on my reel. Love this story, love Oprah, and glad it all worked out. And this is a story of someone who didn't even lie about the experience, but just kind of worked with what they had, had to fake the situation and as if they were in control and, and came out ahead. Story number two, first national commercial. This is for our actors. It was down to me and two other lookalikes for a part in a national commercial. The auditions were in front of the entire group so we could all watch each other. I watched the first guy go up and when the casting director asked if he had stunt experience, he said no. She asked if he had wire work experience and he said no. The second guy went up and when she asked if he had stunt experience, he said yes. She asked if he had wire work experience and he said no. Finally, it was my turn. I went up and she asked me if I had stunt experience. I had done all my own stunts in a recent project, so I said yes. She asked if I had wire work experience. I didn't know how to answer this question since I technically hadn't done wire work before, but I also hadn't done stunts before the previous project, so I just said yes. I booked the job and began preparing to do wire work, but on the day of the shoot, they ended up cutting the light wire work that would have been required of my performance anyway. The job was my biggest paycheck to date. So again, I think the preparation to do wire work is key there, not 
compromising safety, but this is a great story. I really love that this person took a risk. Okay, story number three. First, music video. This is submitted by a director. I met a music video commissioner and told him I was a music video director. I had never directed a music video before. He reached out to me and asked me to put together a concept for an artist, and I ended up landing the job. The video turned out well, and I've directed multiple music videos since. I have seen the music video that this person is speaking about and can confirm it is a great music video. So this is a great risk. Again, a lot of these jobs, I think we hear about this all the time in entertainment. If you're writing, you can say you're a writer. You know, if you if you're practicing, you're directing, you can say you're a director. This this person knew that he was a director. He had directed other materials and he felt confident in his ability to direct music videos and that paid off big for him. So always good to think about how we're speaking about ourselves, both internally and to other people. Story number four, the Parks and Rec circus performer. <laughs> this person said, I have faked a circus act doing background on Parks and Rec by learning to hula hoop 10 hoops at a time and do tricks over a weekend. I have also lied my way into being a prop master on a short film, script supervisor, and another. And if I'm being honest, I'm faking being an actor too. Well, I think being able to fake being an actor is just really acting as an actor, in my opinion. But I love this story too, because it's on a network level show. This person was able to just fake it, you know, till he or she made it, learn that hula hoop trick over the weekend. And also as a script supervisor. So story number five is another script supervisor tale. This person says, I said I could be the scripty for someone's film when asked and I didn't know how to do it. I bought a textbook and studied the heck out of it and not to toot my own horn too much, but I think I'm actually quite a good scripty now. I do it whenever I can. So great. Another example of someone rising to the challenge, believing in himself or herself enough to actually learn that job, performing well, and then getting regular work in it. Exactly the kind of fake it till you make it that I'm talking about. Okay. Story number six, got it covered. This is a coverage slash story analysis story. I definitely claimed I knew how to do coverage in the moment when my boss asked me, hey, can you do coverage? I need someone to cover this series of novels. I Googled some samples and then did it. It went fine. Most likely this all worked out because I also had to read six 400 page novels as part of the task, which took a long enough time for me to also figure out what the heck I was doing in terms of the reports themselves. I later got an entire side gig writing coverage on novels, which is pretty sweet. I've never faked it till I made it in order to get a job I otherwise did not already have. I would challenge that last part. I think that there was a little bit of faking it tell this person made it in terms of coverage specifically, but I can't appreciate that it was part of the job. Uh, you know, another great example, took on a task that maybe seemed a little out of someone's wheelhouse and then it turned into an entire side gig that this person enjoyed. So love that, love that. Okay, story number seven. When opportunity calls, literally, this is a story of an editor. Way back in the early days of my career, when I barely had any edit experience at all, I answered the phone at a production company I worked for and the caller happened to be looking for an editor for a music video who was available that weekend. I said that was me. I did admit I was relatively inexperienced, but I was also willing to work for cheap and I got the job. It went dot, dot, dot. Okay, we did get it done, but I think the producer wanted someone with more experience, which I understood, but it was my first video and got airplay way before YouTube. I'm guessing that's MTV then. And I ended up going on a bunch more videos after that. I still do the occasional one today in between bigger projects. I still love this story because this person was actually upfront, but still eager enough. And it seems like those producers saw it and it it did end up working out. And even the fact that this person's saying in between bigger projects that he or she does music videos, that tells you a lot about where their career has gone since then. So I, I can't honestly say I'd always recommend answering the phone at your job and, and swooping in on a gig for somebody, but this obviously worked out big time. So I love this. I love this. It's also just 
just evidence that you don't always necessarily have to lie. In episode three of this podcast with Alessandra Conti, she talked about doing that to land her first clients as a celebrity matchmaker. You know, it was all about how she was honest about where she was in her career while still having that confidence about what she could deliver. And that's exactly what this person did here. Okay, story number eight, getting out of PA land. This is a post-production story. This person says, I was a PA and desperately wanted out. I lied and said I was a digitizer to work a night shift popping tapes at a post house. I had never even seen a deck, let alone an avid. That's that's what said here, an avid. By six the following morning, I knew everything I needed and had done the job before anyone got to work the next day. Been in post ever since. That was just under 20 years ago. Wow. Caveat. I had a friend who knew the kind of work well and let me call him all night when I had a question that the internet couldn't solve. I have since helped him in what I hope feels like reciprocal payback. And since then, I have personally helped people who lied their way into jobs. Bootstrapping or paying dues is a sham. Okay, I think this is a very interesting comment in the end about how bootstrapping or paying dues is a sham. Because in episode 13 of this podcast, Matthew Jensen talks about how to get his union days, he went and worked as a digitizer. And he very much saw that job as a a means to an end. He saw that as paying his dues. So I guess it's really all in perspective. If you're working as a digitizer, you could see that as paying your dues, or you could just see that as taking the, the next exciting leap which I think Matthew did. He was, it was all part of his overall strategy. But I think it's just an interesting comment. The two times that being a digitizer has been talked about on the show, they're kind of regarded in complete opposite perspectives, even though it was the same job. So that's interesting. Okay, story number nine, first time on Premiere. This is an editor story. I told a producer I knew how to edit on Premiere for a job he was hiring me for. I did not, all capitals, not know Premiere. So I spent two days Googling everything I could figure out on my own. And after that, it was was fine. The project was delivered on time and on budget. I've done several premiere jobs since then. Hate it a little more every time I'm forced to edit on it, which thankfully is not often. I think that's that's a polarizing comment in episode seven with uh, editor YB Chang. She talks about how she greatly prefers Premiere. I'm assuming this person prefers Avid or Final Cut. I mean, you know, anything's possible here on No Set Path. But Again, I like this. I think this is a great example of someone who had the skills, you know, obviously the the creative editing part of the skills this person had. And he or she was able to adapt and kind of learn a different tool set to be able to execute on this particular project. And it worked out. Okay, 10. First time lighting. This is a gaffer story. I agreed to take over as a gaffer on an indie horror film because I was broke and stayed up all night learning all the slang I could. It went okay. The lighting is the easy part. Knowing how to seem like you're already a burnout and deeply cynical film professional is the hard part. Wow, shots fired. I was in film school. I think that's important context because again, I I don't know that I would recommend that someone faked being a gaffer on a professional set for safety reasons, but film school, you know, the, the gear and the setting is optimized for that. So Okay, I was in film school, but had never done that before. No, to be pretty, to be honest, I'm pretty sure the person who asked me had me confused with someone else as we had only met a couple of times at parties. I never gaffed again. Okay, well... <laughs> I'm glad it worked out for this person in this circumstance. Again, I love the fact that this person put in the work to learn something that they didn't already know and then did did an all right job on set. Also, producers, maybe get people straight that you met at parties. Story number 11, Chiron Crusher. This is a live broadcast story. Not directly filmmaking, but pre-World Wide Web, no YouTube to learn from. I was asked to operate a graphics machine for a live broadcast. Chiron Maxine, I think, maybe Chiron Max. I had never touched one other than to install it in the machine room and run the cables. The broadcast was the next morning said, yes, of course I can do that. Spent all night sitting in the control room with the manual and learned how to use it. 
grabbed a couple hours sleep in the green room before the call time, and the producer director had no idea I was that green. A few weeks later, I took him out for lunch and told him. He thought it was pretty funny. Okay, I love a lot of things about this story. I actually know several people who are pretty advanced in the technical side, the gear side of the industry, purely because they studied the manuals. That's where all the answers are for this kind of this kind of stuff, right? And this person took the initiative. Again, this person believed that he or she could do it in the beginning and then put in the work to actually learn how to execute on that. Staying up, learning the process. I do love the final touch of the director not even realizing this person was that green and then actually telling the director as well. And I'm glad he thought it was funny. Obviously, I mean, what other reaction could you have? This person faked it till they made it and boy, did they make it. Okay, story number 12. Have you asked Google? This is a tech PA story. And I think tech PA just applies to this specific tale. Okay, this person says, I was a PA and I got an iPhone with Google and quickly became the tech PA, in quotes, because any crew could ask me for anything. And I would say, yeah, got it. Turn the corner, Google whatever it was and deliver. This is so inspirational just for the sheer simplicity. And, um, Yeah, again, resourcefulness, even baseline resourcefulness, asking Google, figuring it out. I think the key trait here, though, that is sometimes hard to find in the film industry is just taking initiative and thinking, okay, how can I figure this out? I don't automatically know. Let me Google it. And then I can become the tech PA. Capitalized. Okay, story number 13, software gamble. This is another editor story. This editor says, I don't know if I'd officially call it faking until you make it, but years ago, I had a gig helping a small indie studio I had worked with in the past to give a punch-up edit to a pilot. I, at the time, had only professionally cut in Final Cut Pro, but this project was in Premiere. Hmm, I'm noticing a theme here. They asked if I knew Premiere and I said yes, since technically I had a few weeks of it in college years before and my cut would be done in solitude until review at the end of the week. Plenty of time to Google, ooh, another theme, what I needed brushing up on as I came across it. So not a lie, I was still an editor, I knew the basics of the program, but I was faking my proficiency a touch with the software. Again, yes, correct use of faking it till you make it, right? Then the director wanted to sit in with me each day, so I worked all day and Googled all night. There were a few instances when I had to look something up in front of the director, but it was going well. Director was happy, I was getting by. Then came review with the client. At the last minute, they decided to put me on another system so they could use a bigger room with a more impressive screen. It was so last minute, I did didn't have time to transfer any of my keyboard shortcuts. I used to match Final Cut and I didn't know the defaults. They logged me in under another editor's account and I was stuck with whatever keyboard shortcuts that editor I had never met just so happened to have set up and no time to play and learn before the client walked in. I literally had no clue what any button I would push would do in front of clients that we desperately needed to impress. I was praying so hard. Love that. But my prayers were answered. The other editor just so happened to also have his keyboard set up like it was Final Cut instead of Premiere 2. It was even a better emulation of Final Cut than what I had set up on my own during the week. Muscle memory kicked in and I was able to make elaborate changes live in front of the client as they requested. One of them even commented on the way out the door at the end to the director 
that they must hire great people at that studio. They had never had an editor keep up like that with them before. Phew. Okay, I love this story. Again, it does seem, the timing is truly incredible here. This actually worked out better for everybody, including the client and the studio, because if someone who hadn't reorganized the keyboard that way had come into that edit, then no one would have been happy because an editor wouldn't have been able to deliver. So I think this is definitely a sign this was the right move the entire time. And I love this story, especially the heightened stakes. You know, if it had just been in solitude, as this person had anticipated, it would have been one thing. But it's kind of like the earlier Oprah story, right? It wasn't just that this person knew that he or she had it in them to deliver and take that belief. It was also adapting in real time to meet everyone's expectations. So great fake it till you make it story. 10 out of 10. Okay, story number 14. Any publicity is good publicity. This is a PR story. I got a job in marketing and PR with zero, all caps, zero experience or background and soon started running the entire department. I learned how to write a press release kit really quickly. Okay, that's where that story ends. So I'm guessing it went well after that. Story number 15. This is from an illustrator. I'm an illustrator. When I lived in San Francisco, I would sometimes be hired by big corporations to do real-time big board cartoon notes to accompany someone's presentation. I was never given any prep or understanding of what they would be talking about, so I would absolutely fake it. I would draw lots of suns and cool looking three-dimensional arrows going from one overhead word like synergy to another. As long as I smiled and looked confident, it went fine. Always nice job and no complaints. I think people just like having something interesting to look at during boarding meetings. Okay, again, great fake until you make it story because it's in this instance, this person just took initiative rather than relying on someone to dictate exactly how they needed to do something. This person was the expert in this situation. He or she went with the information that was available and delivered something everyone was happy with. So sometimes I guess this one's hard for me, but sometimes I guess it's better just not ask too many questions and give it your best shot. So great story. Okay, story number 16, just say yes. This is a story from a film student. That's important because there's a lot of jobs addressed here. I was selected to be the gaffer for someone's final film. I arrived two hours early on set to prep the lighting plan, setting up kinos, and Googling how to tighten and set up everything for the first time. Now gaffing is my favorite thing to be a part of on set. Okay, I just want to pause here in this person's story. I love this because since this person took a risk, he or she now discovered their favorite, their favorite thing. I love that. Taking a risk, illuminating your passion. I think that's sometimes how it has to go. Who comes out of the womb knowing how to gaff? All right. Who comes onto a film set the the very first time with no exposure and even know what a gaffer does? So I love that this person took the risk and discovered a passion for it. That's great. Okay. Back into the story. I said I was good at stop motion to someone random on set when I have never done anything more than four frames a second. I went from having only one scene as a stop motion artist to five scenes as a stop motion director instead. All 40 seconds long, each with at least 10 frames per second with zero budget, but free materials from my college. Let this be an inspiration if you are in film school. And this person finishes by saying, faking it till you make it is how we all learn in this business. So many different facets of job for pre-production, production, and post-production. You never know what side of filmmaking will suit you best. It's an amazing experience when people start seeing you for your unique creative input and then valuing that is the cherry on top. Preach, I love this person's story. Okay, just to cap this off, I know we have a few stories that were a little bit longer. To cap it off, we have some quick pieces of advice that were also submitted. So 17, safety first. It's okay to fake it unless you're in charge of some aspect of safety on set. Don't take key positions like key grip, gaffer, or first AD if you don't know what you're doing. Yes, agree. We've talked about that in this episode. Number 18, first bartender. I did this with my bartender job when I was first starting out in film. Luckily, I knew enough about alcohol brands from being a partier myself and past the interview. I love this because this 
this was a day job while this person was getting their hustle on. And even then, it's a little bit of faking it till you make it. Okay, 19. Every single job I've gotten, I lied about my qualifications in the interview to seal the deal. All right, this person's experience. Number 20. As long as you are confident you can learn it, then you do know it for the purposes of interviewing. That's an interesting take. Yeah. Yeah, because basically the interview is trying to figure out if you can do the job and you're saying that you can. Number 21, I didn't fake it, but I was asked to do something I hadn't done, but I knew it was part of the job description for the next level up. So I said I could do it and then worked really hard over the weekend to learn it. It became a prominent part of my job and two years later, I leveled up. All right, so the risk paid off. Number 22, walked on to a music video set as a PA and had no idea what I was doing. Three years later, I still Still don't know what I'm doing, but I have an awesome network and steady work. That's great. Also, you know, PA jobs, those are the places to learn. You can always ask some questions and be a little prepared, but that is a great place to learn. So I'm happy to hear that. And networking, that's honestly the best thing this person could be doing. So heck yes. Okay. Last but not least, 23. Life rule. Say yes and figure it out later. Yes, I think in some contexts that can be very, very true. I think this is a great example. Thank you so much, everyone, submitting your stories and sharing them with me. I had a great time reading them, and I just love that so many people are out there taking a risk for themselves. I hope that if you're listening, one of these stories maybe inspires you into ways that you can kind of bet on yourself. And let me know in the comments or if you're on Spotify and those features, if you'd like to see more Fake It Till You Make It episodes, or if you have a story you want to submit, feel free to DM me at No Set Path Show. I'll set up another anonymous submission sometime in the future for another episode. But again, thank you so much for submitting your, your inspiring stories. I'm definitely inspired. I hope you were at least entertained and I can't wait to do another one. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of No Set Path. If you enjoyed this episode, please feel free to rate it and share it with a friend, especially if you can think of someone who might benefit from the knowledge that was shared here today. You can keep up with the podcast on all social platforms at No Set Path Show or on the website at www.nosetpathshow.com. Thanks so much for being part of this community and we'll talk to you soon.